Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the bestoprods.com movies and television podcast. As always, I'm your host, The Dead Man, and I have a brand new chair, which don't squeak when I move, so less noise to have me fucking removing the bullshit way. I like this. Which means I'll just have to squeak harder. And also, oh, I, God, that's going to be one of the new Simon and the Chipmunks movies. <laughs> Simon and the Chipmunks? Whatever. I don't know. Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a fucking trip? Just you go in and it's like, welcome everybody to Simon and the Chipmunks. Wait, what? <laughs> Wasn't one of them named Simon? Yep. Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. Yep. Simon takes over the band and Alvin is left lying in the street dying. Ah, oh, that would be a good movie. They introduce a brand new chipmunk that's actually just a squirrel with a really fucked up tail. As you can tell, I'm here today. Yeah, but got care, man. That's the two of us. I'm dead. Hi. I assume you watch things, Caveman? I watch some things, yes. <laughs> Not much, but some. Would you like to talk about some of them? Sure. First, I want to talk about Netflix. Seriously, renegotiate your contract with the CW. Seriously. Because <laughs> uh, I know that they're already on season three of Legends of Tomorrow, and I'm halfway through season two because we just got season two. Season three hasn't begun airing yet. Season two just ended. Okay, um, well then, I feel a little bit better, but still, renegotiate your damn contracts. Um, but no, I'm about halfway through season two, uh, and Jesus Christ, is it good pie. Fuck yeah, it is, dude! I love this show. Season two is where they just fucking... Like, like, season one was a bit uneven, mainly because I felt like they were... They were unsure how far to go. Yeah, I'd ag- I'd have to agree with that one. Because it and is boy, do they go up just a little bit further in season two. Yeah, like like Jesus see, like, it is. This this show is ostensibly in the same universe as you know the Flash and Arrow, and so and Supergirl. Technically, this, she's in the same multiverse as Supergirl. Same universe as Flash and Arrow, same multiverse as Supergirl. Yeah. It's DC, motherfuckers. This shit gets convoluted. Very. But yeah, it was... It was was in the same universe as those shows. And those shows... This was kind of before Supergirl was was really a thing. So they didn't really... Those shows didn't really go as hard. They try to keep things like somewhat level. I think I have a show about fucking time travel and shit, and you're like, all right, how far do we go with this? Then they get to season two, and they're just like, yo, dog, fuck it. Meanwhile, the Legion of Doom, you fuckholes, let's fucking run with this shit. You want to see Caveman Adam fucking spear fight a Tyrannosaurus Rex? You got that, dog? That was awesome. Because <laughs> you know he was doing everything he could to prevent fucking up the timeline. Yeah. <laughs> just hey, you want- he's that nerd on the team. Yeah, just hey, you want to see a fucking faithful real life adaptation of Obsidian from the JSA? 
We got you, dog. We got oh, Lance Henriksen so to play that fucking part. I loved. I love the fact that he was gay. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, and it wasn't even like a big thing either. Just kind of like, a, just kind of like, just kind of like, hey, yeah, he's gay. Fuck it, go. We we've got to the fact that he's gay, and that's all we need. Yeah, <laughs> that's just, literally it. It is a nice bit of it's, it's a nice bit of character for him. But he is kind of just more than. But he's not just. Hey, I'm the gay one. Also, it's really like. Uh, if I have one issue with the show is they push the we can't show people the future aspect and then bring people onto the time ship constantly. Yeah. It's like, come the fuck on, show. At least they're somewhat sticking to their guns with their paradox rules, which is a problem I have with sci-fi. A serious, serious problem. Whenever somebody does any kind of time travel shit, I just lose my fucking mind because they do it terribly. Just you wait. That it, it goes, dude. The last thing I saw was the uh, time wraith thing that was chasing after Thawne. Oh, the Black Flash. Yeah. Time Wraiths are different. I, I know, but I've, I've seen an episode after that, but that seems like the last important episode. Um, like, that I've seen so far. I would argue that Rip turning evil was kind of an obvious choice and not really that important of an episode overall. That's fair. And it uh, it just gets so, it gets so much better, dude. By the time by the next time we talk, I'll probably have finished it because I'm almost I'm I'm working my way through Persona, which means I'll be able to write again, which means I'll be able to watch TV again because that's really what's limiting me is Persona. Oh my god, Persona! Watch J. the um, video games podcast if you want our opinions on it. J.R.R. Tolkien plays a somewhat important role in an episode. It's just, oh Lord, I'm gay. Oh God, it is. This show is so good. This show is the best fucking DC thing on TV right now. And they made it to, uh, they, they've made it through season two pretty well. So yep, and they conf- won't do what every other one has done and start fucking up in season three. They've confirmed a third season though. And given where season two ends, it might be, it'll be a bit difficult to fuck it up or incredibly easy to fuck it up. I'm not entirely sure. Not going to say anything yeah. else because you haven't got there yet. Oh, I'm so excited. It is and I so just good. Can't hide it. This shit is I'm about to lose control. And I think I want to. It's like this. It's like a fucking like major network just said, hey, let's fund a B movie. With the special effects of a top quality show. Yeah, yeah, totally. This is like I have been the entire time I've been watching this show. I have been waiting for just the decline in the effects. Ooh, they transform off screen so we don't have to show that. And the fire blasts don't emanate from their hands. Oh, and we never actually see Firestorm because, you know, animating that fire on his head is a little hard. Yeah, but they haven't done that yet. They've been keeping going. They've been... All the CW shows, especially, have been doing a very good job with the CG. Yeah. (laughs) But now it's time for a massive departure in tone. I've been watching the great British baking show. <laughs> <laughs> I have watched three things since last we talked. 
And the second one is The Great British Baking Show. Oh my god, dude! And oh my god, I have been sitting on the edge of my seats with some episodes like, <gasps> Will her bake be finished? Or is it undercooked? <gasps> is it overproved? Oh no! It is trippy. My fiancé and I have been watching this show for like... I don't know, three weeks now. <laughs> we will watch an episode every so often, and it is so good. A, because it makes a fat guy really hungry because they make some really delicious looking stuff. And B, because I actually like all of the contestants, unlike American contests, where I hate everyone. I watch the big fat quiz every year, and basically every single fucking quiz, they reference the Great British Bake Off like fucking seven times. Well, the Great British Bake Off is worth a watch. If you're a fat person who loves food and loves watching people cook, it's for you. I enjoy eating more than I enjoy watching other people cook food that I can't eat. Eh, fair enough. But yeah, so that's the Great British Bake Off. Well, Great British Baking Show, and it is good. I recommend it if you like food. If you watch the Food Network, watch it. It aired on PBS, apparently. Um, that sounds about right. Because they literally start every episode with like the PBS crawl, which, woo, I don't really care. Yeah, PBS. Bring back Arthur. Why? I don't know. So that maybe in the day when there is a child in my house in a non-creepy way and they're fucking watching there, I can like unabashedly jam out to that fucking Damien Marley shit. <laughs> what a wonderful kind of day. Um, and the final thing that I have to talk about, because not only have I watched it, but it is a cornerstone in nerddom. MST3K? They have finally brought back MST3K. Yeah, they did. It is. Yes, it is. I see, I, see, I love. I like. I at least like everything about it, and I love most things about it. Kinga is great. Patton Oswalt as TV son of TV's Frank is great, and I will call him that every time I talk about him yeah. because he deserves it. <laughs> uh, Jonah, that guy in the yellow jumpsuit, is very good. He's very funny, and I, for one, am one of those people who likes the punchier, quicker pace of the jokes compared to the older series. The older series, they leave long, boring segments that are just silence. And I'm just sitting there like, dear God, don't make us watch this anymore. <laughs> but this show, it's like, oh, hey, this long, boring portion, let's write a song about it. And I'm like, yes, that's funny. Thank you. Um, I'm kind of getting tired of the um, laser cutout thing that they do because – Okay, you have a laser wood. Do something different. Please. It's in like every episode and it's really lame. But other than that, oh, I love the show. Hell, it's it exposed me to Korean Godzilla. What more could I ask for? <laughs> yeah, I'm still on uh, Danish Godzilla. Ah, Reptilicus. Yes. Reptilicus was a good one. Reptilicus was a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to get to Star Crash. Dude, I'm going to get through them all. 
<laughs> Star Crash is my favorite so far. Oh my god, it is so dumb. Ah, oh, it is the kind of movie that I would have watched on its own. And then they did an MST3K about it, and it was better. <laughs> okay, I don't really feel too um, comfortable talking about MST3K in any kind of authority, in any kind of like authoritative way, because I didn't really watch MST3K, like the original. Then approach it from a fan is from the perspective of a fan of the new material. I mean, just because you didn't watch something doesn't mean you don't have a right to speak on its new thing. Yeah, I know. So I'm, I'm, I just, just want to get that out there so that when I if I say something that is, it's like, oh yeah, that was like a thing in the old show. I, I don't know that, so just giving context. <laughs> yeah, I'm really digging this. It is. It's a lot of fun. Um, I watched I watched a couple episodes of the original um, show, and something that has carried over is I am not that big a fan of like the interstitial bits. Oh, you mean the uh, like the little like movie break segments? Yeah, again, like in Rotelicus, uh, they have so, so far I've seen like two of them. Uh, they were the rap. And, uh, oh, the rap was awesome, though. Yeah, the rap was good, but I differing opinions. Like, like the rap like, was good, but I'd rather be watching the movie. Like I, I come to MST3K, and what I know about MST3K is the movie riffing. I don't really come there like to hear Jonah Ray's comedy rap bits. Like, yeah, they're good, but that's not what you're there for. Yeah, yeah, as a giant um the proper term for someone who studies fictional monsters is cryptozoologist i'm aware we there well, i'm telling the audience um what we do is we analyze observe and try and determine where in history the information for this monster might have come from like a cryptozoologist is the one who re- finally came across oh People believed in vampires because they would dig up graves sometimes, and because of the way their bodies are decomposing, they look healthy and alive. And as the tuberculosis outbreak, so everybody thinks that the that the corpses are rising and feeding on their families, and that's where one of the where one of the where's we get uh, vampires from. But just sitting there and listening to them name all of these super obscure monsters that 90% of people have never heard of. It just made me giggle. Yeah. Like <laughs> my favorite bit in that thing was like the, the bare naked ladies, like Chinese, like bird monster reveal. It was like chicken, the China, the Chinese chicken. And by that, I mean this guy and this guy, one of whom, by the way, turns into a fish. Uh like I said, it, it it's good. The comedy bits work in the same way that like that old MST3K stuff work. Like this feels like what I remember of like the episode and a half I watched of OG MST3K. Just it looks a bit better because cameras got better. Yeah, um, I'm just gonna say this: direct all hate at the YouTube's uh, Media Horse YouTube channel. Um, I like him better than any of the other hosts. Okay. I think Jonah is best host so far. Just that's my opinion. Um, direct all hate at the Media Horse YouTube. We could use the comments and the views. Uh, links um, in the description. Yeah, no, 
I think it's great. Um, he's uh, honestly, he's funnier because he's punchier. He's faster with the jokes. He's quicker. I do agree with something I heard online, which is I'm still waiting a little bit for each of the hosts to have their own voice because they don't tend to disagree very much on anything. And there doesn't seem to be real, really any conflict as of yet. And there was a bit of that in the original show. Yeah. And, where and like even had three distinct people talking. Yeah. Like even like watching it um, when they're in silhouette, I sometimes like lose track of who's talking. Yeah. Cause, I have, cause they all do. That Cause they all do kind of uh, Jonah. Yeah. They, they all do um, have very similar methods of delivery. They have similar voices. They have the similar level of like snark and reference in them. Yeah, it's basically three pop culture spouting robots. Yeah, so so it'd be nice if there was like a bit differentiating there, like make like make one of them more acerbic, make one of them more fucking jovial or whatever. But like just have something to differentiate the way that they talk and the way that they sound. One does smart jokes, one does fart jokes. Easy. Oh god, I accidentally rhymed. <laughs> but hey, yeah, that's what I've been watching. Okay. So, um, Agents of Shield came back, and I started. And I've been watching that. Uh, it was That's on, so good. It is really good. Like really I, good. I kind of got out of it. I kind of got out of it, so I just stopped. Yeah, they're currently in the uh, third storyline of their like fourth season or whatever fuck season it is. This. So this season has been really fucking weird. Like started out as you know, Agents of Shield, a Ghost Rider. Then they couldn't afford to be Ghost Rider anymore, so it became Agents of Shield LMD. Now it's Agents of Hydra. What? So. So I have to go back and watch the rest of season three and then this season. Well, this is oh, wait, still on season three. Uh, this Sorry. is still part of the season. No, it like that's one of those, That's an, that's one of the reasons why I stopped watching. It's just they stopped putting it out, and I'd be like, "Are we on season four or five? Three? What? Yeah, technically this is still season three, but it feels like season like fucking six. Because Especially again, with the amount of plot they pack in well not, well not just the amount of plot it's the amount of different plot because we have Ghost Rider and then that Ghost Rider stuff comes to a conclusion then we have LMD and then LMD stuff kind of comes to a conclusion or at the very least a stopping point as we get into the next bit which is Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the Matrix I heard about that yeah so in the LMD stuff uh, Dr. Radcliffe and Ada, they began, they're working on something called the, called the, uh, I believe it's the mainframe. It, it's, it's something, it's something that is essentially a matrix. It is a virtual world wherein real people can have their fucking like minds put in. And so they are just kind of living this fucking, they're living this life in this virtual world where even if your like main body dies, your mind can be copied and implanted into them into this mainframe. I'm actually going to look up what you it's called the, because it's really bugging me that I don't fucking know what it's called. You know what really bothers me? What's that? The Matrix. 
the fact that they were so moronic about their reason why the robots are using you. I mean, there's a much better, easier option. They're using your brain as an as a piece of RAM. Uh, in uh, this, what they were doing is, it it's Ada. She is trying to. Her her whole thing is that she's just trying to like find a, she she's like trying to like figure out what it is to be human or whatever. Oh, uh, the framework that's what it's called. See, Ada's trying to find out what it's like, what it is to be human and whatever. And so she takes these people, puts them into the framework, and then removes one regret from their lives. Yeah, I remember hearing about this. And then sees what happens. And everyone becomes Hydra. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. Yeah, so uh like what she does for like May is she like like May's whole thing was that she had the that she had to murder was that she murdered a child. Really? It wouldn't be the whole my mother turned evil thing? Are you confusing May and I'm sorry, Sky? I'm sorry. I, I am. I am. Wow, my brain just wow, okay. Um yeah. Yeah, yeah like okay, May the reason mind. Yes, for anyone who doesn't know, um, Melinda May, uh, Ming-Na Wen, the reason she is called the cavalry in the show, and the reason that she's like fucking blah, she killed a child. The child had inhuman powers, like mind control powers or whatever, and she was like doing all kinds of horrible shit, and so May had to kill her. And everyone's like, oh my god, she's the cavalry, she's so awesome, blah. And then May has been, May's been, May's been trying to deal with that. And so in the framework, she never kills that child and instead brings her back to America where the child does horrible things in America, which leads to a, which leads to a, an even like more aggressive nationwide mistrust of inhumans and leads to Hydra getting in, getting in power. Cause Hydra's so the Trump campaign, basically <laughs> they actually do straight up use like shit, like. Like the humans are a threat and only Hydra can protect you. Oh God. This is one of two shows about fascism. I have to talk about Jesus and Oh, tell me the next one doesn't involve Jesus. I'd be so disappointed. Uh, no, it involves like actual straight up Nazis, not fucking fiction Nazis. Okay, but we'll get to that. But yeah, so uh, yeah, so Ada and Radcliffe they were building the framework, uh, getting everybody involved, getting everybody fucking put into it, and then, and then replacing the shield agents with LMDs. Uh, Daisy. It's one of my favorite things that Marvel came up with. Yeah, uh, Daisy and Simmons uh, figure this out and decide to jack themselves into the framework in order to find their team and break them out. So they're jacking in so that they can jack everyone off. Well, out, but yes. I know what I said. I know, but it just it didn't it didn't really play as like they jack in to jack off that. If they jacked on to jack off. <laughs> Fine then. So they're jacking on to jack off. Exactly. 
Yeah, so they get in there. Um, once they're in there, it, it it turns out that Daisy is still going by Sky and is now in a very serious relationship with Grant Ward. Oh. Who is back in his, I guess, fourth role? Technically, I guess. Uh, and Simmons is dead. No, not Simmons. She wakes up in a mass grave. <laughs> no. <poor laughs> Seriously, stop doing shit to Simmons. Hasn't she been through enough? Uh, no, apparently she hasn't, because she just had to watch Fitz murder a woman in cold blood. Jesus Christmas! Because Fitz is a sociopath in this world. Eh, not far off. Because somehow his one regret led to him being raised and still having a good relationship with his father. Who, as previously established in the show, was something of a monster. What was his regret? We don't know yet. Did he kill his dad? I don't know. Maybe I we don't know. We don't. We don't fucking know. We don't even know like See, what. No, his, we don't even know I'm what his dad was really now. like. Like this is kind of like our first introduction to his dad, and it's a it's a fucking like construct based on Fitz's memories and the framework extrapolating from there. Because his dad is also the head of security at Hydra. What if he ran away from home? Well, he was, he was raised by his mom. So then maybe he killed his dad. Maybe he did. I don't know. It would be cool if he did, though, because that is like an interesting character bit that would add a lot to Fitz. Yeah, it would. Yeah, so now Fitz is the um, second in command of Hydra in charge of all of their... <laughs> yeah, in charge of all of their like um, scientific developments and stuff. And he's also Pork and Lady Hydra. Madam Hydra, sorry. Who is Ada. Ada inserted herself, inserted herself into this world and made herself the most powerful person in the fucking planet. Hmm. And it's actually kind of cool because what they did. So Fitz. So the way they explain it is uh, like, so as Daisy and as Daisy and uh, Simmons go into this world, they begin tracking down members of their old team. None of them remember anything about the previous world because their minds have been rewritten and like their memories have been rewritten so that this world, this reality is the only one they've ever known. In this world, Coulson is a high school history teacher who is just kind I of... I can see that. <laughs> yeah, who is teaching his class that Hydra is awesome. But like on the sly, he's also like, Hydra's full of fucking horse shit. And has like a bunch of newspaper clippings and like notes of his that were he more in the were that were he more out in the open about it, they'd be on a fucking cork board with like string tied to them, leading to other things tied with string. But because he's doing it on the sly, it's all just in a fucking like file folder in his desk. But so he go but so like they go they all go and talk to um like the individual members trying to like get things going. And Fitz begins like looking into them and stuff and finds out that Simmons is dead or at least should be dead. Doesn't really know her at all because they never met. And he also begins and he also like they they have some like interrogation stuff about them and it's revealed 
that in order to keep things like relatively docile in this world, like explain things about explain things like don't make sense or like these characters who are who look exactly like them, but are like different. Is that there is an alternate reality. There is a there is a alternate dimension. Where where this version of Daisy and this version of Simmons are from. That that are coming over to invade this dimension. Ada, yeah, Ada essentially turned the real world into an evil alternate dimension that is trying to invade and destroy the perfect world she made in the framework. Ow. And it is really cool. All this shit works so well. Like, oh my god, you don't understand. It's so good. And fucking Mace got to be a fucking awesome badass dude. And like, saved the day before heroically dying. Ah, oh, it's so good. Shield got fucking amazingly good in the last over the course of the last season. Like the show, the show was like of wavering quality, kind of going from pretty good to just like, oh, my God, why is this still on air? And then just over the course of this, like one season that is actually three seasons it has just fucking gone up and up and up and has reached this fucking weird pinnacle where it is above anything that it's done before. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is really good. Maybe I'll get back to it if you dro- once it, I beat Persona. Yeah, if you dropped off the show, I really recommend getting back into it because that LMD arc was real good and now this Agents of Hydra thing is real fucking cool. And I cannot wait to see where this goes. Because this... This can fucking go. Uh, iZombie also came back. For its third season. It's yeah, still... It just, it's still good. It never felt good enough to just hold on to me. Which is a shame because it's a very well written show. It's a well written show. It has a lot of like really cool ideas to it. Um, it the beginning of seasons always feel it always feels like a step back because like the beginning of seasons always it always kind of reverts back to its it reverts back to its um formulaic case of the week procedural stuff. And then as the show, and then as the season progresses, it gets more and more into what I really like about iZombie, which is when they get into their more like big, overarching, like almost serialized storytelling. Like like first season had a couple had a bit of that, and then it got into Blaine, and then Major finding out about fucking zombies and stuff, and then him becoming a zombie hunter. Then you get into the second season. And then it kind of reverts back to case week procedural stuff. And then it begins building up the max rager side of things before it gets to the reveal of, Oh, Hey, there's a fucking entire PMC basically of zombies. Then we into season three and it starts out like having an idea of where it's going next. Like it has the, 
it, it, it kind of like it begins um expanding more on Fillmore Graves, but I'm Tish, the zombie PMC, and showing basically showing that it's not like it isn't what it isn't what you thought it was going to be. It isn't like uh, they the, the zombie PMC isn't just trying to they aren't evil like in any real capacity. When we when we saw them last, it was. It was a bunch of fucking soldiers eating the brain of Rob Thomas from Matchbox 20 and saying that Seattle is going to be the fucking beginning of a zombie homeland. And so you think, oh, private military company, zombie homeland, they're making fucking outer heaven, but for zombies. Mm. In zombie Soviet Russia, brains for everyone. Yeah, they're gonna like fucking rise up, like a fucking like massive submarine's gonna rise out of the fucking ground with like a Mount Rushmore of zombie faces. It's gonna go full of fucking Metal Gear. Okay, that's okay. Outer Heaven is a zombie. Is ever Outer Heaven is a Metal Gear reference? I've I've never played me- any of the Metal Gear games. Big Boss wanted. I've to been build- told I should because I like um, shooters and I like stealth games, but. Never really been interested. Yeah, Outer Heaven is a is the idea of Big Boss, where it's essentially a country for soldiers. Ah, I have heard of that. And that's kind of what they're going for. Like they like Fillmore Graves bought an island that they want to like migrate all the zombies to, so they just have a country of zombies. Stop saying his full name. <laughs> Fillmore Graves isn't a person; it's a company. Well, can you please stop saying their name, their full name? Can you just call them Graves? Because every time you say it, I just have to, like, I have to stop myself. And I couldn't stop myself from laughing this time. That's the point. Stupid name. That's the joke. Such a dumb name. But yeah, they they, they own an island that they're just going to be, like, that they want to migrate all the zombies to. But then word gets out that there are fucking zombies because a major corporation... Like the headquarters of a major corporation located in a major American city got fucking firebombed. And so people are going to start talking about that. And some of the people who were there were like, oh, yeah, fucking zombies, dude. And so I think. Oh, yes. Having sex with zombies. And yeah, so I. As I assumed that going into that, this is the fucking big plot line for season three would be this PMC. Their their fucking machinations, and then the team learning how to deal with that stuff, and it kind of hasn't been that. They've mainly shown the they mainly shown the company as being like, yeah, like we're kind of like a we're kind of a threat, but only if we are provoked. Because as they've been talking about it, we and we like, as we've been seeing things, they are fairly chill about everything. Just real fucking, like, they have, like, combat training and stuff for their PMC side of things, but then they also have, like, just a school to teach all the zombie kids. They also just do, like... Do zombies age in this show? We don't know. We haven't... Zombies haven't been around long enough to really conduct research like that. Whoa. You're, like, thinking about it, zombies have been around for, like, Maybe a year.
and yeah, so the Fillmore Graves thing is part of the fucking overarching thing, the growing tensions of people realizing, oh wait, zombies are a real thing. Then there's also a plot line with um, Blaine, who in the last bit was cured of being a zombie, but the cure wiped his memory. So now he is just fucking blank slate. That's interesting. Yeah, which led to some kind of relationship form between him and Peyton, which is part of another fucking subplot. Well, which like, and part of that is like Ravi, who is in love with Peyton, going like, "Oh wait, you fucked a teenage murdering zombie person." That is the weirdest title to a show I've ever heard. Yeah. And then also Blaine's dad is also Blaine's dad is back and he is starting up his own zombie business because Blaine stopped his because he forgot he was doing As it. As you do. Yeah. It's been established that Blaine and his dad hate each other. Like despise each other. And yeah, it, This show has ideas. This show has ways it could go. It's just right now they're kind of in their holding pattern. <laughs> just every once in a while they will like drop something of like, oh, hey, this is something that Fillmore Graves is doing or this is something that fucking dad is doing. Or, this, is what's Blaine, this is what happened with Blaine. This is what's happening with fucking Ravi. This is what's happening here or over there. They have like little bits of stuff that will be happening. But it's yet to really coalesce into the big thing that will happen. Or like even start to do that. It, right now it's right now they're like I said, they're in the holding pattern of the beginning of an iZombie season. Things will probably get better as time progresses. And this an iZombie is increasingly becoming a show that feels like you should just wait until the season comes out on Netflix in its entirety and then just binge watch it there. Wait, it's airing on TV? Yes. On the CW. I, I, I thought it was a Netflix show. Nope, CW show. <laughs> um, okay, that actually explains a bit. <laughs> you know, yeah. about the quality issues. <laughs> Sorry, CW, but it's true. It's fine. The CW can take it. Oh, they take it every day, every night. Yeah. So moving on, um, I started watching the leftovers. Are they still good? No more. Anyway, (laughs) the sound of a joke dying. (laughs) So leftovers is an HBO show, I believe. Um, based on a novel and it's about the aftermath of the rapture. Oh, I've seen commercials for that. Well, the rapture in air quotes. Everybody going to get raptured. Yeah. So on October 14th, uh, 2000, whatever, 2% of the world's population around 140 million people disappear. 
I need to double check that number. Just weird. It's like nobody knows why it happened. Nobody knows how it happened. It's just one day, 140 million people just fucking gone. Didn't matter their age, their race, where they were from, how much money they had, huh. any, anything like that. Like even it didn't even matter if they were good people or not. Whoever wrote this show did his Googling. 2% of the world's population is 149 million people. Yeah. 7 billion. That's impressive. Most pe- most people don't do their Googling because they're assholes. Like, I, I knew I knew it was the fucking right number fucking immediately because, like, 2% of 7 billion. 1% I'm is not se- good at math. 1% is 70 million. Double that for 2%. I'm not. Anyway. Yeah, so 140 people disappear, and then the show picks up three years later. In that time, uh, in that time, a in this one small town, and probably elsewhere, I'm not entirely sure, but this cult kind of thing began forming called the Guilty Remnant, which are they're the, they're these people that wear all white at all times, never speak, and smoke constantly. Uh, they all live. They all live in like this one cul-de-sac in this town, um, and nobody really knows what they do or how they got started. They just kind of were one day, and now there's like fifty of them, all living in these weird communal houses, and they seem to like mostly be just there to. Like, fuck with people trying to move on with their lives? To. I, no, no, again, nobody really knows. They just kind of showed up. Nobody knows what they are there for. Like, like the main thing they've done so far is. The, so the federal government has a dedicated, has like officially made October 14th a holiday called Heroes Day. So, you know, commemorate those lost in the fucking sudden departure, as they call it. <laughs> And so, what, because they left their heroes? No, it's it's a fucking stupid thing. Just, hey, people want to feel good. Let's call them heroes and then fucking whatever. And so, the mayor's giving this big speech like, hey, yeah, fucking all these people disappeared. It was a horrible tragedy, but hey, we're still here. Moving on. And then the guilty remnants show up and just hold up like fucking like sports style, like single letter signs. They just, they just say, stop wasting your breath. And then there's this other fucking weird cult thing that started up around this guy called Holy Wayne, who has the ability to, like, take people's pain away. Somehow. This show is weird. It is really weird. And the show mainly focuses on uh, the Garvey family. Uh, Kevin Garvey, he's, like, the chief of police of this town. Uh, His son left to go join Holy Wayne. His wife left him to join the Guilty Remnant, and his daughter is just a fucking asshole. As you do. Yeah. Meanwhile, the town is kind of slowly falling apart and he's doing everything he can to like keep things in order. Like the first episode, we're introduced to the character by ha- by watching it, by, by seeing him watching a dog get shot. Because apparently when the sudden departure happened, a bunch of the dogs went fucking feral. 
and just kind of ran out into the woods and just kind of living in the woods. And so he's just kind of out for a run, sees a dog, he's like, hey, dog, come here. And then some guy with a fucking rifle just shoots the dog. And then we see like the rest yes. of the episode, and then we see like the rest of the episode is like him, is like the like Garvey slowly like losing it as he's like trying to track this guy down. And then at the end of the episode, we see just a pack of dogs just ripping apart a fucking deer. And then that same guy shows up, is like, they aren't our dogs anymore. And then Garvey has to join him in fucking gunning down this pack of rabbit animals in the middle of a fucking suburban area. This show sounds weird. It is. And the weirdest thing is, I don't really buy it. Like, what the sign? So, sudden departure, 2%. 140 million people sounds like a lot. Largely because it is. But that's actually, in the grand scheme of things, it's not. Not at all. Exactly. Like, 140 million is a big number. But 140 million of 7 billion isn't that much. And considering how many people were taken from like each country, this barely had an impact on North America. Yeah, but but no. it's being but it's being treated like 50% of the population got taken. Fucking like barely anybody's out in the street. The show is eerily quiet a lot of the time. And yeah, like, like 140 million people like suddenly disappearing. That is kind of a big thing that would spark some level of fucking insanity. Like the guilty remnant, they make sense. This one preacher who has like kind of basically gone insane is now making a tabloid outing people as what he believes are sinners because he could not fucking fathom that he, a good old Christian boy will not be taken in the rapture, which is what he believes the sudden departure was. That makes sense. But having the fucking town like all like half shut down almost as like some people are just kind of going on with their lives, but other people are just doing nothing. Like the streets are whole, like the streets are completely bare. There's like just barely holding on to law and order. That part of this d- doesn't make any sense to me. And especially three years on, like three years later, things should be mostly back to normal. Like there's still debates on whether this is, you know, a fucking holy act or if it was aliens or what, but by and large, things should just be kind of back to the way they should be the way that things were before. Because the vast majority of the population is still there. Like this, this isn't 140 million people taken from one specific area. It is 140 million taken from everywhere around the world. So about 1 million people, like, like they start giving out numbers um, at a certain point. And it's like, yeah, Turkey it's lost. exactly 2% of each population. There are, that would be 3 million Americans. And on average, about 90,000 Americans are missing every day. Yeah, it is roughly 30 times average. Well, 6 million Americans would disappear. Oh, yeah. Sorry, 6 million, not 3. That was my bad. 3 would be 1% of the population. Yeah, I, I know. I'm. 
Math. Forgive my math. I'm not very good at it. I'm a writer, not a not a mather. <sighs> yeah, I. The show is interesting to me. I like. I want to keep. I want to keep watching it. I want to see like how things unfold from here. I just don't buy it. Like speculative fiction, you do require a certain um like. You do require a certain suspension of disbelief for speculative stuff like this, but they're is, overselling how many people got taken. They're and over, well, they're overselling the effects of how many people got taken. Because again, like the show uses silence a lot, and it it's a silence that I would expect if there were like if half the people in this fucking town were missing, but they didn't. Like fucking five people got taken from this town. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just me. No, I can totally get it. It's like that just sounds not right. It sounds off-putting. But speaking of speculative fiction and bringing it back to fascism, let's talk about the man in the high castle. I don't want to talk about him. He's an asshole. So The Man in the High Castle is an Amazon series based on a book by Philip K. Dick that shows an alternate 1962 where the Allied forces lost World War II. Huh. Yes. So in this world, um, FDR got assassinated. And... The Axis forces built the nuke first. So the legends of tomorrow failed. Basically. And in this and in this nineteen sixty two, in this version of nineteen sixty two, um everything to the east of the Rocky Mountains is Nazi territory, and everything to the west of the Rocky Mountains is Japanese territory. Meanwhile, a buffer zone uh, around the Rocky Mountains is the neutral zone, where it's just fucking the Wild West. Anything goes. In the, you know, and and in like both sides, there is a resistance forming. There is a resistance movement trying to take back America. And the resistance movement seems to largely revolve around these film reels called The Grasshopper Lies Heavy. It is a series of film reels said to be developed by a guy called The Man in the High Castle, which shows an alternate history where America won World War II. So they're basing their entire rebellion on propaganda movies. Basically. Okay. Well, well okay, well, okay, the um so the resistance movement isn't it, like the resistance movement is kind of like focused on these things, but it is built around the fact that they don't like Nazis. Okay. Like the propaganda thing is important because the Nazis hate these films. The Nazis have been doing everything they can to get and destroy these films because they're Nazis. Well, they're film critics, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
I'm sorry, I had to. In the latest issue of Empire, Joseph Goebbels gave fucking the Grasshopper Lies Heavy two thumbs down, so all copies of it are to be destroyed. <laughs> Don't you wish you wielded that power sometimes, though? Oh, fuck no. No, I would accidentally destroy so many movies. <laughs> just, I would say, fuck this shit, and then all of a sudden, fucking every copy of the fucking r- original print is just destroyed. I saw, oh, no, then fuck. you find that one guy who's been hoarding them in his basement, and you're like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm not here to destroy them. I'm here to help you hide them from the people who destroy everything I don't like. I don't want this power. Something happened. I don't know what, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> like, hide these films and Kate, kill me. I think, I think someone took over America and then gave me that authority. It's horrible. Like, goddamn, dude. Nobody should have this power. If fucking Roger Ebert had this power, we'd have no video games. But anyway. So the show uh, focuses on a few different things. Um, Its main characters are a young girl from the Japanese side of America and a young boy from the Nazi side of America. Uh, both of them get a copy of The Grasshopper Lies Heavy and are told to transport it to the neutral zone in order to give it to the man in the high castle. As you do. Yeah, I'm about four episodes into the first season. There are two seasons of the show, right, as of as of recording. And I'm really enjoying it. It is a very realized world. Like uh, Philip K. Dick, uh, I, I like this is kind of uh, there in the novel too, from what I've read about it. Uh, the novel got a lot of praise of having all this be relatively believable, and the show kind of carries that. Like it isn't. Some of it's a bit like hard to wrap. Some of it's a bit hard to like wrap my head around. Like the war ended in like the 1940s, and so over the course of 20 years, everybody in a position of authority was like, "Yeah, okay, we're good with fascism." Like, there's a part where uh, the guy from um, Joe Blake, I believe is his character name. Uh, he is he, he is the guy from the American side. He's the guy from the Nazi side. He is driving a truck full of, like, blenders and shit over to the neutral zone. And as he's driving along, he gets a flat, and the cop pulls up. And it's this fucking, like, you know, good old boy cop. He just says, hey, you know, hey, you pop a tire, you need hands? Like, oh, yeah, sure, dude, that'd be great. Thanks. And then they help out. He's like, hey, man, I have a sandwich if you want one. He's like, oh, dude, really? Thanks. That's awesome. Thanks. And he, like, served the American military. He has, like, a a tattoo that is like, yeah, so I served. I was over there. But, hey, we lost. And then all of a sudden it starts what looks like snowing. And so Blake's like, hey, what's this? And the cop, in the same tone of voice, is like, oh, yeah, that's hospital, you know. Burning the, you know, diseased, infirm, elderly. You know, you know, burdens in the state, you know. Anyway, have a good day. Just good old boy who fought against Nazis is now just fucking totally fine with burning old people because they're a fucking burden. Burn the elders. No, it's not even that. It is just fucking imagine good old boy. Imagine fucking Opie. Being like, well, hey, Paul, it's time to burn the elderly. You know, can't have burden in the state too much. 
so every once in a while, moments like that will be just a bit, eh, like it would, it would be a bit better if it was like, if it was like 1982 instead of 1962. Just have a bit more time so that anybody who was part of that original conflict is mostly dead or at least has been beaten down to the point that they're silent about things. Twenty years seems like a bit too early. Mm. No, that's a generation. There would be an entire generation of people raised up to believe it. Yeah, a generation, be... but there'd still be like fucking two or three generations left that are like, "Hey, fuck Nazis!" You know, America. Except for the fact that at the beginning of World War II, there were numerous Nazi sympathizers in America. Yes, numerous, but there were also many, many, many millions who were like, hey, no, how about not? Like, could we, like, not do that? Like, hey, Jews are... Okay, well, 1940s America. Jews kind of suck, but, like, not that much. There's no racism. That will never die. It just, they weren't at the level of Nazi racism. I talk a lot about Nazis on this website. Just kind of realize that. I do not uh, know what that says about me. According to my quick Googling, uh, about 37% of America would have supported Hitler and, and the Nazis before, you know, we joined in on World War II. So, okay, but of that thirty-seven, but of that like thirty-seven percent, like of that thirty-seven percent, how much of that would have been soldiers? I can't know. I also would like to assume that it was though that the vast majority of those who would have supported it were of um, not fully understanding what was going on. Yeah, they're they're the kind of people who think like communism was like some fucking e horrible evil that was attempting to destroy everything we loved. Yeah. Yeah, the red scares out there. People what we need is fucking fascism. You know, lead by strength. They read a Cliff Notes version of what fascism was. I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. And so that's all happening over in the fucking uh, Nazi side of the country. Meanwhile, over in the Japanese side of the country, things are a bit better. Like, yeah, they're still kind of shitty. Like, if you do anything that the if you do anything the Japanese don't like, they will just straight up murder you. But life seems a bit betterish. Like, uh, the main character from the Japanese side actually has a lot of respect for Japanese culture. She's trained in Aikido. She speaks fluent Japanese. She uses like, ja she like understands uh, and uses like Japanese medicinal remedies for like, like her mom is in, her mom has like, you know, back problems or whatever. And she's like, Hey mom, I made, I got this fucking Japanese tea. Just try this stuff. And her mom's like, Hey, the fucking Japs and all their fucking weird medicine shit. They killed your dad, you know? Meanwhile, she's super into sumo wrestling. 
<laughs> and also, and, fat men in diapers. Yeah, and also there's like a big industry like in the in the in the Pacific states. There's this big industry for recreating like old style Americana artifacts because the Japanese people are super into American iconography. So not much has actually changed. Yeah, it's just that it's just the Japanese are a bit more violent and occupying. And then, yeah, and over on that side, it is a young girl. Uh, her sister is the one who is originally involved in the resistance. She gets murdered in the street. And then this lady takes her place and it's like, hey, I'm going to go do what my sister was going to do. But she's dead now, so I'm going to do it. As you do. Yeah. And then we also have, um, and then there's also like growing tension between the Japanese and and Nazi sides of the of the American government. Like the two of them have a truce right now, but the Nazis, being Nazis, don't really like the Japanese. Wait, weren't Yeah, I'm I'm not going to question it because it's true. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, they worked together in the war, but the Nazis game plan didn't really involve not white people. Oh no, it involved something more specific than not not white people. It involved not not blonde what uh bl- blonde-haired blue-eyed white people. They had a very specific type of white person that they wanted. Which is really funny because a good chunk of the Nazi people have black hair and brown eyes. Yep. It's like, all right, so we'll get, all right, so we'll get the Nazi position of power, and then just what, fucking off ourselves? Does anybody who's not have this specific hair color and this specific eye color just like line up in a row and shoot the person to your left? <laughs> then you got the guy on the end who, like, the one guy who was like, "I'm not doing it," <laughs> and he gets killed, but the guy next to him survives. And he's just like, oh, "It's a sign." <laughs> it's like, I am the one true Aryan. I must become the next Adolf Schindler. It's like, it's like my hair's not my hair's not brown. It's a it's a very dark blonde. God damn it! I told you this. Lindorf Truffle. That's <laughs> <name>. <laughs> it's like, hey Heinrich, get fucked. I survived, shit dick. That means and I am the best. Uh, oh no no no! He takes it as inspiration and becomes a one-man anti-Nazi Nazi killing army. He realizing the that they were wrong. <laughs> realizing that they were wrong. We should write that! <laughs> Next pitch meeting. Coming soon, motherfuckers. Shotgun that idea, bitches. <laughs> this would make a great B-movie. <laughs> like I said, I'm fairly early into it, but I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Like, I really like this world. Like, yeah, I don't really necessarily buy it that it, like, kind of happened, like, this quickly. But I'm still, like, it's still a very well-realized world. It does a really good job of, like, giving kind of, like, both sides a fair amount of, like, a fair amount of character to them. Like, yeah, the Nazis are still fucking Nazis. But the Japanese are shown as, like, not really being Nazis, which is kind of what you got to do. 
Like, nobody really gives a shit what you do to Nazis, but the Japanese are... There is no like hand waving in order to kind of ha- in order to kind of like wave away that like yeah these were the Japanese not just some fucking sect of Japanese people, and so they do a decent job of like not really of showing the they do a decent job with the Japanese of I'm trying to think of a word I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this portraying them accurately. I don't even know. I don't even know if that's necessarily a thing. Like, I do not know enough about Japanese culture in order to say, like, "Hey, yeah, this was a good representation of Japanese culture," because I'm fucking Canadian. But it was a fa- it's a fair representation of them for the period, like as they were. You know, like it is. It shows how they would have behaved. Maybe it's not a representation of their culture exactly, but it's a fair shake of like it, it treats them like people and not like caricatures. Most of them, yes. Some of them do kind of. You remember, um, remember in Raiders of the Lost Ark that guy um, who fucking like got the medallion burned into his hand. Yeah. Almost all like the Japanese police force, like the higher ups in that police force, do look like that guy. Who was that guy? I don't know, but they have the same kind of glasses. They have the same hat. They have the same attire. But the people who are like higher up in the Japanese like government, they don't show them as they don't show them as being evil. They don't show them as being like racist or anywhere close to Nazis. It is just they are working with the Nazis because they because ha- at the time they have you know similar goals. They want peace. They don't want horrible war. They don't want fucking bloodshed or whatever. They want to maintain peace. So that now more, so that more people won't die. But the Nazis are like, hey, Nazi peace in our time. But yeah, but then the Nazis are like, hey, you're Japanese. I'm gonna call you something racist for Asian people and try to murder you because they're Nazis. Man, I did not see that coming. I said that with no shame. I wish I could say the same for that joke, but nope. That I saw that coming from a fucking mile away. That I'm is glad you the because I'd be ashamed otherwise. That is the joke. There is one, and it's used every time. Yeah, Man in the High Castle. It is cool. I'm going to keep watching more of it. I like it. Those are watching, then on the news. This piece of news that only we really matter with uh, Birdie we're here, because it's, it's, we're talking about fucking Mark Millar. I recognize the name, but... Anyway, uh, Philip really. Gothorn, uh, playwright and screenwriter, who's worked on a couple TV shows in Britain, has been hired by Universal Pictures to adapt Chrononauts, a comic book series by Mark Millar and Sean Gordon Murphy. I've heard of that. Yeah, Chrononauts is about two bro scientists who discover time, who like invent time travel, and then just kind of bro out throughout history. They're just fucking going around. They become like gods of certain time periods. They become kings of others. And they're just doing what they will. Hanging out and doing whatever. And so this is all being done up uh, for a for a movie uh, being produced by Chris Morgan, the writer of six of the Fast and Furious films. 
Oh, God. Oh. Including the most recent oh. Fate of the Furious, which apparently had the biggest worldwide opening weekend in history, raking in $532 million. Fast and Furious, for anybody... just threw up a little in my mouth. Yeah. Fast and Furious, for anybody wondering, is also um, in the top 10 highest grossing film franchises of all time. I'm a very sad caveman. Yeah, over the course of its eight films, uh, they have pulled in just shy of $5 billion. So, yeah. These movies are big. And disgusting. I love them. They're terrible. Moving on to our next piece of news. Deadline is reporting that Will Smith is currently in talks to take on the role of the genie in a live-action Aladdin movie. No. Being directed by Guy Ritchie. No. I will put up with a lot of shit. No. Wait, is it Disney or no? It's Disney. No. This is just the latest in Disney's apparent series of live-action adaptations of their animated classics. Redo Aladdin. Yep. Live-action Aladdin. That is so fucking disrespectful to Robin Williams. With Will Smith in the Robin Williams role. This is coming on the tales of the Beauty and the Beast remake, which grossed over a billion dollars worldwide. So this ain't stopping anytime soon. Beauty and the Beast was okay. I already said that. Ah! Apparently, actually, though, uh, Smith had previously been in talks with Tim Burton about being in a live-action Dumbo. Ah! Uh, that did not materialize at all. But this is seen to be a real big thing. Because, of course, it fucking is. No. The movie's being written. Bad uh, Disney. The movie's being written by John August, who previously worked on Big Fish. Bad Disney. And this may be happening. I don't want it to because it's bad. Stop it, Disney. Please. Do I have to roll up a newspaper and boop you on the nose, Disney? I will. Do it. Fuck it. Who cares? God fucking damn it. Anything else you want to tell me that will rip out my heart? Uh, rip out your heart? No. But I do have other stuff I need to talk about because there's more news. So Freeform, formerly known as ABC Family, is getting deep into the Marvel side of the Disney Corporation that owns them. Uh, they just released a trailer for the upcoming uh, Cloak and Dagger TV series. Which looks like a TV series on Freeform. 
But they've also uh, finally revealed their lineup for their live action New Warriors TV series. Uh, New Warriors are a are a are like superhero team that has been in Marvel for a while. Uh, this iteration of the team will be led by Squirrel Girl because oh. her because her books make money. I like Squirrel Girl. And they have just officially announced the lineup for the team. Uh, the lineup includes Squirrel Girl, obviously her Squirrel, uh, Night Thrasher, Speedball, Microbe, Debris, and Mister Immortal. Uh, Mr. Immortal. Best character ever. Yeah, he has some history with Squirrel Girl, being that they were both part of the Great Lakes Avengers. <laughs> One of the best superhero teams ever. Yep. Night Thrasher and Speedball are both uh, founding members of the original new of the original New Warriors. Uh Speedball Was it Deadpool or Wolverine that Squirrel Girl beat up? Uh both probably. I'm pretty sure that she uh said that um without like it told Wolverine that if you didn't have your powers you'd just be a short angry Canadian and Wolverine was like I like her <laughs> That's kind of her character. Her character is just I'm a I'm a say what's on my mind to be quirky about it. Y'all love me. Fuck Galactus loves her. I can see that. She's a great character. Um well that brightened my mood a little bit. Yeah so Night Thrasher and Speedball are both founding members while Microbe and Debris were introduced in a shorter run of the series uh, by Zeb Wells and Scotty Young. And that is the run of the series that Marvel is basing the show on. Yeah. I don't know what to think about this because it's still freeform. But anyway, new order, new warriors will be debuting next year on Freeform. That's happening. Speaking of Marvel, uh, they have just hired on um, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, the directors of Mississippi Grind, to direct the Captain Marvel movie starring Brie Larson. This has been kind of the first bit of news about the movie since it was announced that Brie Larson would be in it. As you do. And yeah. You ever even heard of Mississippi Grind? Nope. Neither have I. So we'll fucking see, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I want to like Carol Danvers again. I'm sorry, that's not allowed. I know. But I want to. Something else I really want to like, but probably won't be able to because it's on Hulu. Because fuck me. Lock and Key is coming to Hulu. Woo! Yeah, the streaming service announced that it has that it has issued a pilot order uh, for the Joe Hill Gabriel Rodriguez graphic novel from IDW with Carlton Cuse 
who has worked on Lost, Bates Motel, The Strain, and Jack Ryan to serve as executive producer and showrunner. Uh, alongside Scott Derrickson, the director of Doctor Strange, who will also be directing the series, and Lindsay Springer. Joe Hill will be um, himself penning the script for the pilot. And I want to really watch this. So guess what, Tulu? I'm going to steal it. Because y'all won't let me pay for it. Because I'm in Canada. Really? Hulu does not work in Canada. Doesn't work outside of the U.S. This has been a thing forever. I didn't know. That's because you live in America. I know. Isn't it great? That's a joke. It's not great. Not right now. No, it ain't. I'm surprised New Orleans isn't on fire right now. Yeah, for those that don't know, uh, the series is horror-ish, fantasy-ish series about three siblings, uh, Tyler, Kinsey, and Bode Locke, uh, who move into their family's ancestral home in Lovecraft, Massachusetts. Just double-checking to make sure that it is actually where it is. Da-da-da-da. Lovecraft. Lovecraft, Massachusetts. That is correct. Unlike this Hollywood Reporter article, which says they moved to Maine. Joe Hill is not his father. You fucking idiots, the Hollywood Reporter. Call out you specifically, Leslie Goldberg. Yes, they moved to their ancestral home, Massachusetts. Um, a, a place called Key House, where they find a huge number of magical keys that when used in the right locks make magic shit happen. Uh, the first key that they find is one that you open the door, walk through the door and you die and your ghost just kind of wanders a bit. Uh, there's one that can change. As ge- you do. Yeah. There's one that can change genders. There's one that can teleport you anywhere you want to go. There is one that literally opens your mind and gives you a physical representation well, of your psyche. Well, you Will it change your gender back? Because that might actually be a good... I actually have this theory that um, if everyone was forced to live as the other gender for a year, everything would be at least a touch better. Uh, yeah, we'd a, all understand each other a little bit better. Yeah, it's a crawl space. Like, it's a door, it's so a, you like, it's a door in a closet. Oh, yeah, it's a door in a closet. You just like, turn the key, walk, like crawl through it, come to the other side as the other gender, and then you can just go back and do it again. Okay, good. Yeah, our, and that is a door that I would like because yeah. I would like everyone to be forced to live as the other gender for a year. The main villain of the series, Dodge, uses that door a couple times. Kinky. And yeah, so uh, it is about yes, it's about these three kids um, using these keys, um, bringing the, bringing their friends in, showing them the keys, and then eventually them trying to stop an invasion from another dimension by demons. As you do. As you do. And over the course of the series, we learn more about like the history of Key House, how the keys were made, um, how their like father, who his murder kind of sets off the events of the series, how he was involved in all the, involved with all these keys, who dodges, who the kids are, how they all work. It is a really, really good series. 
if you haven't if you haven't got a chance to read it yet, I highly recommend it. Uh, Lock and Key by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez is one of my favorite comic books ever made. And so naturally, I'm going to watch the series. No matter the dubious means I have to go through to do it, Hulu, fuck you. You heard him, Hulu. All you got to do is start streaming to his country and you've got money. Yeah. I will gladly pay to watch this series, but because you won't let me, Hulu, specifically you, this may or may not be happening because I will not definitively say whether it is happening or not because I do not want to get arrested. Hulu, give him money. I mean, Hulu stream and he'll give you money. Yes. Why Why aren't you in Canada? Seriously, Hulu. What kind of bullcrap do you have to go through to become streamable in Canada? Hmm. Actually, I am double-checking something right now. See how this works. I just... Okay, never mind. It it is available now in Canada. So congratulations. You now have money from me. (laughs) For a very, 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 very long time, it was not available in Canada. But now you can watch it. Yep. So congratulations, Hulu. Thank you. You now have my money. Anyway, speaking of money, Deadpool 2. Yep, that's getting my money. Yep, it has officially been confirmed for being released on June 1st, 2018. Also, what are your thoughts on uh, Josh Brolin being cast as Cable? I don't even know who Josh Brolin is. So He's Thanos. Really? Yes. I think that could work. Let me Google Josh Brolin. Like, physically, I can see it. It's just a bit weird having Thanos being in another separate Marvel Universe. Yeah, I, he, I think he'd make a very good cable. He'd have to gray his hair up a bit, but... Well, naturally. You know who I, re- I, I... I've said this before, and I think um, this this person would only work as cable if we're going for the Lifeldian body proportions. And that is The Rock. I'd much rather have Stephen Lang. But if we're going for the Lifeldian body proportions, nobody beats The Rock. If we're going for Lifeldian body proportions, even The Rock doesn't fit because he still looks like a person. <laughs> that is very true. Anyway, then, final piece of news. The X-Files is coming back. Again. Again. Yes, uh, Fox has announced that there'll be another season of The X-Files with David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson and Chris Carter. Come back for more. Because I guess they need that paycheck. I don't know. Did you watch that revival of The X-Files? I watched one episode and was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, it seems it about right. It, it it was the X Files, which 
good, but it very much overstayed its welcome. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but like it jumped the shark. Then it chopped off the shark's fin for shark fin soup. Then it fed the shark the soup and then it jumped the shark again. Only this time it was riding a rocket. Okay. Take from that what you will. That does for news. New release of this week, the week of April 28th. We have The Circle. With Emma Watson Uh, and Tom Hanks. My eyes can't roll any further back into my head. Which is, what if a tech company was secretly evil? Instead of overtly, like all of ours are. Yeah. We also got um, limited cinematic release for Slight. Which is a movie that I have heard about and seems interesting. I've heard of it, but I can't remember what I heard about it. It's about a, it's about a street magician who uses his street magician abilities to become a kind of superhero. Cool. Yeah. And that's about it for this week. Fucking nothing really else is coming. Got a new Cristana Loken movie. Remember her? No. She was the evil Terminator in Terminator 3. Ah. She was also in the Painkiller Jane TV show. What the hell was that? Don't worry about it. It lasted, I think, a season. Great. Let me double check that, actually. Yep, a season. It's about a lady with a healing factor. Whoa. That's about it. And then next week, Gardens of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Oh, I am excited for that. Hells yeah. I won't see it opening day because I never see anything opening day because I don't like killing myself. But uh, I might. <laughs> I might see it opening day because I might have money by then. We talk. Don't spoil it for me if we talk. I will not. Yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Low-key show this week. Sorry about that. But thank y'all for joining Video us, games. nonetheless. Yeah, we kind of spent the last month, I guess, because we didn't have a show two weeks ago. We spent the last month playing Persona 5. We'll get back into the proper swing of things for the next episode in two weeks' time. Uh, we'll also be wrapping up uh, Movies We Like Month this week with A Knight's Tale. Is that the one where irritating black comedian travels back in time? Uh, no, that's no, that's Black Knight. Ah. This is the one where... I always get those confused. Yeah, this is the one with uh, Heath Ledger and Chaucer. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. I really like I really like that movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember really enjoying it. 
just a really light movie. Heath Ledger is good in it. Paul Bettany's in it. But thank you for joining us. Until that stuff, though, I'm dead. And I'm Caveman. And we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Have a wonderful time. <laughs>